it's a, it's a relatively brief verse, packs a big punch, amen, and um, I hope that we've covered it enough now for you to have committed it to memory, uh, not just what it says, but where it's found, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. A few things that I felt compelled of late to um, say to you over and over again. First of all, you were never meant to live in the world with the view of the world that comes from the world. We're, we're supposed to look at things differently. And if we'll let the Lord teach us how to see things differently, then we will experience those things differently. Because how you see things, the perspective that you have on things will determine how you experience those things. We've also said the church needs to shift from a worldly view of heaven to a heavenly view of the world. There is a worldly view of heaven that's creeping into the church that we need to resist. And instead of having a worldly view of heaven, and that's, you know, in a, in a nutshell, you know, it, it was so interesting too. I was, I was watching a, a documentary the other day and this person was just, you know, atheist this, no God that, all that stuff. And then when they, they talked about somebody close to them that died and they were saying they just know they went to a better place. See, that's a worldly view of heaven. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? In other words, this idea that everybody who dies goes to a better place is a worldly view of heaven. I'm not trying to stir anybody up this morning, but I guess I am trying to stir you up. Amen. So it's those who are saved. Amen. You don't enter the kingdom unless you're born again. You don't even see it unless you're born again. And so the church needs to shift from a worldly view of heaven to a heavenly view of the world. And, of course, we know that we have that heavenly view of the world by faith. And faith, not for the different episodes in our lives, but for, uh, you know, faith on a daily basis. Your walk is talking about your life as it unfolds um, step by step, moment by moment. Even in other places in Scripture, your daily life, your daily walk is referred to as your daily conversation because words are such an important uh, factor in our life reality that the, the Scriptures even refer to our lives on a moment-by-moment, step-by-step basis as our conversation. So to walk by faith, right, means we need to speak uh, by faith. We need to uh, do everything that we do by faith as opposed to sight. Now, the devil is behind the phrase blind faith. Walking by faith does not mean walking blindly, Walking by faith means walking with the ability to see things as they truly are, as opposed to the way they appear to be. And we've got lots of different places in Scripture we could go to, ones that we've looked at, Hebrews 11 and 19, speaking of Moses, I'm sorry, speaking of Abraham, concluding that God was able to raise him up, um, Isaac, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figure. In other words, he's saying that before Abraham ever marched Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice him, he had already envisioned him, he had already seen him being raised from the dead. In other words, faith was able to see beyond that moment to what God would do uh, later. And then Hebrews eleven twenty seven, same chapter, speaking of Moses, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Well, how, how do you see something that's invisible? You see it by faith. Amen. And that doesn't mean, a lot of times we hear by faith and we think that means check your brain at the door. That means, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, everybody pretend something's true that's not. No, if you see something by faith, you genuinely see it. 
And when you see it by faith, it becomes more real to you than seeing it with your natural eyes. So we kind of broke this verse down last week in a way that hopefully you can connect with it. For we walk by seeing things as they truly are. That's what it means to walk by faith, not by the way things appear to be. Most people on planet earth live their lives based upon the way things appear to be. Satan can easily manipulate the way things appear to be. And if you live your life based upon the way things appear to be, he can easily manipulate you. Manipulate you. He can easily manipulate you. So faith is the ability to see beyond the way things appear to be and the ability to respond based upon the way things truly are. Remember now, as we said last week, just some of this review, just adding some things to it here. But faith without works or faith without a corresponding action is still dormant. So it's one thing to be able to see things as they truly are, but then where the action part of faith gets involved is when we then respond based upon the way they truly are as opposed to the way things appear to be. So the question then is how do we know how things truly are? The Word of God. That's one of the most important questions you can ever ask is what does the Word say? What does the Word say? See, we get so interested in other people's opinions, in in what other people have experienced, in what other people have to say about things, when what we should really care about, and really the only thing we should ultimately care about, is what has God said about this? Amen. What has God said about my children and their future? What has God said about my health? What has God said uh, uh, about my well-being? What has God said belongs to me? What has God said about who I am and my worth? uh, Amen. So these these are the way things truly are. Satan makes his living by deceiving, by manipulating the way things appear. Because again, most people on planet earth live their lives based upon the way things appear to be. So, faith then is the ability to see beyond the way things appear to be, but it doesn't stop there. It's also then the ability to respond based upon the way things truly are. Now, a lot of people, a lot of people, let me tell you where they are, they catch glimpses of the way things truly are, but continue to respond as they appear to be and wonder why they're struggling to receive from God by faith. Amen. So let me, I know I've emphasized this, but let me just say it one more way to you. Walking by faith means seeing and doing differently. Amen. We're not looking at it the way the world looks at it, and we're not responding to it the way the world responds to it. Now, let me tell you, and, and you know, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If he spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not freely give to us all things? That's Romans 8. Amen. But notice... What shall we say to these things? He's literally asking how are we as God's children going to respond to what's going on in the world around us? Now, responding involves more than speaking, but 99 times out of 100, your first response is going to be verbal. Your first response to what somebody else says, to what some situation you may be dealing with, to, to, you know, to how somebody, um, I, I had the manager at Papa John's holler at me on the phone yesterday. <laughs> I, I, that true story. I mean, I, I'm not I mean, hollering at me. And um, I had gotten confused to order the pizza too early. I was just calling asking if they could delay the order, right? And, uh, and he hollered at me, okay? Now, 
I'm like you. I, 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 I kind of felt the Tabasco coming up out of my ankles. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about to get out of the swimming pool and drive to Papa John's. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, and I'm thinking, you know what? I, no, let's just pray for this guy. He's evidently having a bad day. See? So Pam's like, are you not going to call him back? And I said, I don't need to talk to him right now. Right? I need, I need, you follow what I'm saying? Amen. So, because Satan, again, is trying to manipulate the way things appear to be because he's trying to get us to respond. Remember, every tactic, every strategy, every scheme, every wile of the devil is designed to get you and me to respond in a way that's contrary to faith, that's contrary to God's ways. And, and, and again, our first response more than... You know, 99% of the time is going to be verbal. We're going to say something, right? But remember, what do words do? According to James, words set in motion, words chart the course that your life follows. Just like a bit in a horse's mouth determines which way the horse goes, the rudder under the ship determines which way the ship goes, words coming out of your mouth determine which way the situations in your life are going to go. So what shall we say to these things? So, it's one thing to catch a glimpse of how things truly are in the Bible. By his stripes you were healed. Were healed. You're not a sick person trying to get healed. You are a healed person learning to walk by faith in healing that is already yours. Okay. Now, as we begin to catch a glimpse of that, right, we begin to see that. Now, we've got to respond based upon the way we see things as they truly are, as opposed to responding to the way things appear to be. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 is another pivotal verse in, in this whole line of truth, this whole uh, teaching that we're in the midst of right now. So let's turn back there. If you notice, this is not the New King James Version. Um, the New King James Version says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but that's, a, that's a, uh, an incorrect translation. It should instead read, while we do not look to the things which are seen, but we look to the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And as I reminded you last week, multiple translations, and most importantly the literal translations of the Bible, say look to as opposed to look at. Because it's one thing to look at something, it's another thing to look to it. One thing to look at a thing, you can look at something but not look to that thing as your source or as your answer. Okay? And I think it's important to, to recognize the difference if we're going to understand faith and faith operating in and through our lives, what it means to walk by faith, what it means to overcome and experience victory in our lives by faith. You see, it's one thing to look at a diagnosis, okay? It's another thing to look to it. Amen. See, faith can look at all kinds of problems and not flinch. Somehow along the way, things got confused when, with this, what the Bible teaches about faith. And, and somehow we have you know, incorrectly equated faith with denial with just pretending that there's no problem, without, depend, you know, without pretending like there's any situation that, that we need to have victory over. No, faith can look at a very serious problem, but not look to the natural things surrounding that problem as the answer. Okay? 
So again, it's very important. We're not just looking at, we don't just, in other words, when he's talking about looking at the things which um, are visible, things which are seen, in other words, as they appear to be, right? We're not looking to those things. We may be looking at them, but we're not looking to them. But we're looking to the things which are not seen. In other words, this, um, this heavenly perspective of the things here on the earth. Now, I want to spend a few minutes on this passage, if we, if we may. First of all, this passage is speaking of a deliberate and intentional action on our part. You've got the way things appear to be, and you've got the way things truly are. And it requires a deliberate, intentional action on your part to look to the way things truly are instead of looking to the way things appear to be. I think that's really important because I don't, I don't think we, we really see it that way. In other words, I think so many times we just, you know, what's the world say? I just call it the way I see it. Anybody ever heard somebody say that? I just call it the way I see it. Okay, well, what if you're not seeing it correctly? That means you're calling it wrong. Amen. So you can call it the way it appears to be, or you can call it as it truly is. This is why, this is why the Bible says God, in setting the example for you and me, and of course we see it in Abraham, whose faith example we're to follow in the footsteps of, that he does not call, I'm sorry, that he calls things that be not He calls things that be not as though they were. What does that mean? It it means he is deliberately, intentionally choosing to respond to the situation that he's dealing with as it truly is, not as it appears to be. Amen. And this, listen to me now, this requires a deliberate, intentional action. Now, last week we talked about... um, you know, this whole progression of things. Let me get to that part here for just a moment, all right? So, um, looking to the way things appear comes easily and naturally for the unrenewed mind. Have you ever noticed, like on your computer, your computer has something called a default setting? And what that simply means is from the factory, your computer is set up to perform certain functions certain ways. Like if you want a different screensaver on your computer other than the one that it came with from the factory, you have to go in and deliberately, intentionally change that. There, you know, your, your printer is set up to, de- I'm sorry, your computer is set up to default to a specific printer. And if you want it to go to another printer, you have to deliberately, intentionally change that. So the, the uh, human being default setting is to go with the way things appear to be. Are you following what I'm saying? This is what comes easily for us. This is what comes naturally for us. So if, if we're going to do something different than going with and responding to things the way they naturally appear to be, it's going to require a deliberate and intentional action on our part. In other words, what we're talking about here is, is adjusting and changing with the help of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, adjusting and, and changing the default settings of our mind, the renewing of our minds. 
Now, this again is why faith calls things that be not as though they are. The Bible does not say faith calls things that are as though they be not. That's not what it says. That would be denial. Faith recognizes, okay, this is the circumstance, this is the situation. I'm looking right at it, but I'm not looking to it. I'm looking beyond it, and I'm seeing it from heaven's perspective. Remember, what you look to becomes the lens you look through. If you only look to things as they appear, you will never see them any differently than they appear. But if you look to the Word of God, if you look to the way things truly are, if you look to, man, this is way down in my notes, but the Holy Spirit just keeps prompting me with it. i got a lot of things going on up here. Are you with me this morning? you in agreement with me for the right things, the right time? Let's, let's do this right quick. Praise the name of the living God. Um, Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. Notice what David said. He said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? Notice there's a hyphen there. Now, if, if it just ended at verse 1, you would think, well, is he looking to the hills for some help? No, he makes it very clear, and he understood this, that my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, there's a lot of ideas as, as to why the Holy Spirit inspired David to, to write these words, I lift up my eyes to the hills. This is what I believe. Now, you just search this out for yourself and see, see how this registers in your heart. The hills, have you ever been like, um, I've mentioned this a time or two, we have family that lives in Jackson, Wyoming. And it's like everywhere you look is a postcard. You know, in, in the, you know, you go out their, their front door and you look, you know, over this direction and you see the Grand Tetons. Beautiful mountains. They're, it's just awe-inspiring, right? And so, in David's case, when he looked to the hills and then asked the question, from whence comes my help? It was in those hills, it was in those mountains, it was in those caves that he ran for his life from an insane king trying to kill him. We even see one night where David slept in the back of a cave where Saul slept in the front of it. And Saul on a mission to find David and kill him. We see where David would be on one side of the hill and Saul would be on the other side looking for David to try to kill him. So when David looked to the hills and asked the question, where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? He was reminding himself of all the times in his past when God was there to help him. All the times that, that, that you know, a king and, a, and, a, and an army was pursuing him, and yet they could not catch him, and they could not kill him, because God was with him, and God was helping him. See, we've got some hills in our lives. We just often, uh, you know, too quickly forget them. Things that God has done for you in the past, 
things that He's brought you out of, things that He's helped you with, things that maybe in the moment you thought was a coincidence, but maturity, looking back now, you see the hand of God instead of you being a good driver. That it was God taking care of your family. That it was God who brought you out of that sickness. It was God who brought you out of that situation. It was God who brought you out of that addiction. It was God who brought you out of that certain failure. The heels, right? So notice, by looking to all the times that God had been there for him in the past, it enabled him, because what you look to becomes the lens you look through. One of the best things that you can do in, in, in facing a, a situation in your life right now is to remind yourself of all the situations you faced in the past that God has been there for you, that God has bailed you out, that God has brought you through. Too many times we look at fresh problems with, with, uh, you know, with, with uh, you know, lenses that are, are not being uh, shaped or, or, or tinted or formed by past victories. Amen. I needed to get that said right there, okay? We need to remind ourselves of these things. See, David was a master of this. What did David look to as a little boy before he went to face Goliath? God delivered the lion into my hand. He delivered the bear into my hand. What is he doing? He's looking to the hills. He's looking to the hills from whence came his help. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Who is the Lord? He's the one who made heaven and earth. The one who made heaven and earth has delivered me from the lion. He's delivered me from the bear. And because he made heaven and earth, he enabled me to have victory in those situations. And he will enable me to have victory in this one. David saw Goliath differently from every other member of the Israeli army, including King Saul. You ever thought about that? Everybody else saw him as a giant. They compared themselves to Goliath and they felt very small and inadequate. David didn't do that. He didn't compare himself to Goliath. He compared Goliath to the maker of heaven and earth. And Goliath looked very small and inadequate compared to the maker of heaven and earth. It's a perspective, right? He had a different perspective. He had the perspective of faith. He didn't look at it as it appeared like it appeared that, you know, and even Goliath saying, you're a runt. Are you coming to me with a, a, a stick and a rock like I'm a dog? He didn't, David didn't look at the way things appeared. He looked at it according to the way they truly were. And the way they truly were was, this man does not have a covenant with God, I have a covenant with God. This man is an enemy of the maker of heaven and earth, I am a friend of the maker of heaven and earth. He's got a whole bunch of other heathens on his side, I've got God on my side. That's how he looked at it, right? We, see, we have this crazy idea, of, and it goes alongside this idea of blind faith. That somehow David went out to face Goliath with his knees knocking together. You know, just scared. Oh, what are we going to do? This is, oh, I hope I'm lucky. Cross your fingers. God. No. As he drew near Goliath, 
he's already seen Goliath. He said, I'm taking your head from your shoulders, and after I do that, I'm going to feed the carcasses of all your army buddies to the birds of the air today. He wasn't faking it. See, we say, well, fake it till you make it. No, he wasn't faking it. It was how he saw it. And notice now, what is he doing? He's responding to Goliath based upon the way he sees Goliath. And he's responding to the army standing behind Goliath based upon the way he sees this situation. Fate sees things as they truly are and responds based upon that. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Let me try to get back to this here for a minute. Now, last week I gave you a simple progression. And we said that people begin looking only to the facts, looking only to the way things appear to be. And if you look only to the facts, you will never see it any other way than the way it appears to be. Well, that's no good. That's no no bueno, all right? So, what are we going to do? Here's the next step in this progression. I'm not going to get there, but let me remind you, Hebrews, Hebrews, the 12th chapter. The Bible says we're looking to Jesus. Amen? We're looking to Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Author means originator. Finisher means perfecter. So he's talking about faith that has a beginning point that progresses through to a place of perfection, completion. Okay? Are you seeing this? It's a journey. We grow in faith. I don't know if you listened to Jesse Duplantis' podcast on Sunday mornings, but he was talking about growing in faith this morning, and he said, you know, everybody has the same muscles in their body that Arnold Schwarzenegger has. It's just he's really exercised his a lot. In the same way that God has given to every person the measure of faith. It's just some people exercise their faith more than others. And the more we exercise our faith, the stronger it becomes. So if we only look to the facts, you'll never see it any other way than it appears to be. But now as we begin to see things in the Word of God as they truly are, this is where a lot of people find themselves. They look to the facts and the truth. But if you do that, you will waver back and forth between the two. And, of course, James has a lot to say about this, right? He who doubts in his heart is like the wind of the sea driven and tossed, right? Wavering. Now, the, the perfection of our faith is when we look only to the truth and we only see it the way it truly is. And we see this same progression in Abraham's experience And the Bible says that Abraham came to a place in faith where he was fully persuaded, fully convinced, which literally meant he couldn't see it any other way. He started out not seeing how he and Sarah could ever have a child to coming to a place, even before they had a child and she was pregnant, he was unable to see it any other way than them having that child. That's how persuaded he was. That's how convinced he became. So here's the question then. How, how do we break free? How do we get unstuck from that place 
of wavering back and forth to the way it appears to be, to the way it truly is, and the way it appears to be the way it truly is. And, and, and how do we then progress to full persuasion? Well, let's go back to that deliberate intentional act. We exercise our faith by practicing our faith. We practice responding to the way things truly are instead of the way they appear to be. If responding to the way things appear to be comes easily and naturally for the unrenewed mind, there's going to be a learning curve involved where you deliberately and intentionally refuse to respond to the way things appear to be and you deliberately and intentionally respond to the way it truly is. And it's going, if you've never done this, it's going to be awkward for you. If you've never done this, it's going to, it's going to uh, you know, at, at first seem a little odd. And if you do it in front of people who don't understand what you're doing, they're going to maybe mock you or, or, or uh, call you, uh, you're a liar when you say you're healed. Uh, and the doctors say you're not, and for you to continue to say you're healed when you're not healed, it, you're, you're not telling the truth, right? Anybody ever ha- had that happen, right? Okay. But see, again, we, we're, not, we're not worried about that. Amen? Uh, Brother Winston says it this way. He said, you've got to be willing to walk through a little shame if you're going to wind up in the Hall of Fame. Amen? And so people are going to try to shame you. They don't, maybe they know it, maybe they don't. They're being used by the enemy. They're being used by the devil. We, know, we see things as they truly are. The devil's not just going to let you walk right into perfected faith. He's not going to let you just walk unhindered, unencumbered right into full persuasion. He's going to bring resistance against you. Again, that's why it requires a deliberate and intentional act. And some of you, listen to me, I'm not, I'm not trying to make you angry, but some of you listening to me right now, either in the room or online, you've never a single time in your life ever responded to the way things truly are. You've always responded to the way it appears to be. Pause for dramatic effect, right? So we we got to kick it into gear, right? We, we're talking about deliberately and intentionally saying what the Word says. Now, here's what happens to a lot of people. They say, well, I tried that, Pastor Mark, and it didn't work. No, it tried you and you didn't work. We're talking about something that's eternal. We're talking about eternal truth. And there is a growth process here. There is a development process here. There, 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 there is a renewing of the mind process here that we, that we have to understand, that we have to recognize. So how do you go from only seeing things and looking at things the way they, they, they appear? Well, you've got to start by seeing how it truly is. What does God say about it? Okay? But now, after you begin to see it the way God says it, the way, the way it truly is, we tend to waver back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so I believe it goes something like this. We start out responding the way it appears to be and occasionally responding to the way it truly is. But the more we refuse to respond to the way it appears to be and respond to the way it truly is, notice there's, there's a shift, a significant shift is taking place until we get to the point to where we're no longer responding. We're no longer responding to the way it appears, but we're responding to the way it truly is. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. 
And we know the word of God, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So if you want to know how things truly are with your children, (laughs) are you hearing me? You ask my mom and dad, the turning point in, in Matthew's life was when the Lord told them to start responding to him as they desired for him to be with the Lord instead of as how it appeared to be. He said, what did that look like, Pastor Mark? Well, how about this? Matt would come home and Mom would say something like, hey, when you pray, Matt, pray for so-and-so, so-and-so. They're going through a difficult time right now. And Matt was like, does she really think I'm praying? He wasn't praying? It's getting quiet up in here. Responding the way things truly are. Did the Bible say... You shall be saved in your entire household. Quit calling your kids heathens. Don't you ever say another word about your child that you do not want to come to pass in their lives. You say, well, they're just on the wrong road, Pastor Mark. So if you're going to keep telling people all around you they're on the road, they're going down the wrong path, I don't know what we're going to do. See, all you're doing is you're looking at how it appears to be, you're responding based upon how it appears to be. When faith says all, God says, all of your children are taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. That's how it truly is. That's how it truly is. Do you have a covenant with God? Is this the heritage of the servants of the Lord? Then this belongs to you. Amen. So but what are we going to do? We're going to keep, well, I'll just call it the way I see it. I'm trying to give you some, some practical instructions here. So you start saying about it what God says about it. That's faith. You start responding to it the way the Word says it truly is. And watch it change. All right, let me, let me finish right here. Amen. Um, praise God. Some of you can't see what I'm seeing up here, but a lot of folks took off running to roll their windows up. I know what was going on. I've been through this drill before. Amen. Romans 4, 17. Let's, we'll, we'll land this plane right here this morning. Go there with me. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. It says this, As it is written, this is what God said, God said to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. Did God say that before Abraham had children or after he had children? He said it before Abraham had children. God said, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. We are faith children of a faith God. This is is how God operates. God didn't stand on the edge of heaven looking down at where he wanted the earth to be and say, man, look at that darkness. What are we going to do about this darkness? Jesus, have you ever seen so much darkness? Man, I I need to do something down there, but I can't do nothing for all the darkness. 
If it just if it just weren't for all that darkness, we might could get something going down there. But man, I, as long as there's darkness, we just stuck. I guess. I mean, we'll just keep waiting for that darkness to change one day. I guess. No, he said, "Let there be light." He spoke into the darkness and created the light. Yeah, but yeah, but he's God. You're created in His image and likeness. Means you're created to look the way He looks and to function the way He functions. who contrary to hope and hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So notice, he became what God said he was according to what was spoken. According to what was spoken. According to what was spoken. I don't know what you believe in God for right now in your life, but let me tell you how it's going to come to pass in your life. It's going to come to pass in your life according to what was spoken. As opposed to what? Well, let's look at it. Verse 19. And not being weak in faith. Did Abraham start out weak in faith? He sure did. But did he stay weak in faith? No, he didn't. He became stronger and stronger and stronger in faith until he progressed to the point that he could not see it any other way, changed his name to father of a multitude before he was ever the father naturally of a single child. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver. This is the key here. He did not waver. Did he waver throughout the process? Yes, he did. But he came to a point to where he no longer wavered. This is the, this is the place that the author and the perfecter, the originator and perfecter of our faith is wanting to bring each and every one of us to. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Not being weak in faith, he was strengthened in faith. Doing what? Giving glory to God. And being fully convinced, fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Now we've been talking often on this whole year about a significant shift. And here we have recorded for us Abraham's significant shift. What was the significant shift that took place in Abraham's life? Pay very close attention to this. The significant shift was Abraham shifted from looking to the way things appeared to only looking to the way things truly were. This was the significant shift. He he looked at it but stop looking to it. Now, what does that mean? And man, the Holy Spirit, th- don't miss the simplicity of this. The Holy Spirit really uh, has revealed some things to me here that I want to pass along to you, okay? Not considering, notice what it says. It, it says that um, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. I'm offering to you this morning that what that literally means is that he quit looking to his own ability. He quit looking to what he could do to make this happen. Because as long as he looked to, 
his body and Sarah's body and, th- and their body's condition and their body's ability to produce a child, he remained weak in faith. Because remember, what you look to becomes the lens you look through. And as long as he looked to his body and her body, that became the lens that they looked through. And as he looked through the lens of his body and her body, their natural ability to conceive a child, all he could see was impossibility and remained weak in faith. So he stopped considering. Now, here's the part that the Holy Spirit's going to help us with, okay? Not considering doesn't mean that he refused to look at himself or Sarah. It means that their body and the condition of their bodies was no longer a factor in the fulfillment of the promise. Now, here is a a simple way the Holy Spirit showed me to to share this with you, okay? I want you to imagine for a moment that that you've got your money together, you're ready, and and it's time for you to get yourself a new car. I mean, there's a lot of cars out there to choose from. But you, you narrowed it down to a Honda, a Toyota, and a Volkswagen, In other words, you're considering a Honda, you're considering a Toyota, and you're considering a Volkswagen. And as you work your way through these considerations, let's say that you no longer consider the Honda. Mark Sundberg will tell you that was a bad idea, okay? You're no longer considering the Honda. Does that mean you deny Hondas exist? That, does that mean that you never look at another Honda in your life? No, it just means the Honda is no longer something you look to in making your decision. It's no longer a factor. Now it's down to the Toyota or the Volkswagen. So when the Bible says that Abraham no longer considered his own body already dead and he no longer considered the deadness of Sarah's womb, that doesn't mean he, he stopped looking at it. It means he stopped looking to it. His, the conditions of their bodies was no longer a factor, right? Because as long as the condition of their body remained a factor in whether or not this was ever going to happen, right? He, it, it led him to, or let me say it this way, it made him strong in unbelief. It strengthened his unbelief. So not considering means it was no longer a factor. If you are no longer considering the Honda, that means it is no longer a factor in the final decision. In other words, you are no longer looking to the Honda for your future transportation needs. As long as Abraham looked to Sarah's body and his body to produce the child, he could only see impossible. Looking to their natural ability made him strong in doubt. So you know what? He finally came to this conclusion. He said, you know what? He said, how old I am and how old she is has nothing to do with this. It has nothing to do with this. Are you following me? It has nothing to do with this. Maybe you've got a financial need. How much money you make per hour right now has nothing to do with it. Come on now. Maybe you've you've got some kind of medical diagnosis. 
How many people have been cured of your medical diagnosis has nothing to do. Are you hearing me? You say, well, you know, nobody's ever been cured to this. That has nothing to do with it. That's not a factor in this. Are you hearing me? Well, I mean, you know, no, every person that's ever had this died with this. Are you going to keep dwelling on that and be weak in faith? Are you going to realize it, it doesn't matter? It, watch this now. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to be inconsiderate, but he's saying God gives life to the dead. In other words, even if you died from what you have right now, God will raise you from the dead. That's what, Abraham, that's what Abraham realized. It's like, you know what? If I plunge the knife in this boy's chest, God will raise him from the dead. Mm, stand with me this morning. Praise God. I might ought to just keep preaching because you're not going to go outside in this anyway, are you? I'm getting loud. Can you hear me? So... We've said in the past, strong faith requires a singular focus. Let's add a little bit to that now. Strong faith requires a singular focus on the way things truly are. And the more you respond based upon the way things truly are, you're exercising that faith. It's it's making you stronger and stronger in faith. And a significant shift is beginning to happen in your heart. A significant shift is beginning to happen in the way you see things. Abraham went from laughing at the promise of God to not seeing it any other way than coming to pass. And if he can make that journey as a non-born-again man, how much more can we make that with the Holy Spirit living inside of us and the 66 books of the Bible for him to use in strengthening our faith? Amen? Who prayed for rain? <laughs> I saw a sign on the way to camp, on the church sign, it says, whoever prayed for rain, pray for my wallet. Amen. So they must be getting a lot of rain down south. Are you good this morning? Can you hear me? I almost feel like I'm a... Praise God. Well, we needed some rain. Amen? Are you getting anything out of this? All right, now listen to me. Please, practice this this week. I don't, I'm, I'm not... Listen to me now. Expect it to change. I'm not telling you to not expect it to change. But let's, let's say you've never been to a gym a single day in your life, okay? And you join Planet Fitness tomorrow, all right? You're going to need somebody to explain to you what a dumbbell is. And that it's not the guy that works three offices down from you. A dumbbell is actually something you lift, right? In, in other words, there's a sharp learning curve here. Before you're ever going to be able to to build strength and build muscle, you're going to have to kind of understand how that machine works and what it does, right? And so there's a learning curve. So I'm not telling you don't expect things to change, but right now all I'm asking you to do is begin to practice responding to things the way it truly is. You've got to get that part down and overcome the awkwardness of it till it becomes the way you respond automatically. Amen? All right, Father, thank you for your love. Thank you, Father, for helping us. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for revealing truth and wisdom to us. Thank you for the rain, Father. Let it cool some things off around here for us and, 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 and water, Lord, the earth as, as you designed and intended it for it to, 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 to function. And Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our lives and in our families and our children and our bodies, Lord, in our finances, in, in our family of faith, Lord. 
And we thank you, Lord, for good things this week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Good things coming to you and yours. You be blessed. In Jesus' name, we'll see you Wednesday night, if not before.